So we're going to start with a little bit of review. <laughs> Does anybody remember the first principle that we started with of the, the, the key truths of, of change that I asked you to memorize? What's, what's foundational as we think about growth and change? Yes, my goal in life is to please God. So as we think about growth and change, you know, we're often focused on uh, the benefits that come to us you know, in terms of we have less guilt and shame, we have better relationships. That, those are fine motivations, but our highest motivation should be to glorify God, to be pleasing to Him. What was statement number two? I please God by becoming like Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus is the only one in Scripture that God explicitly says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And so we know that if, if we want to please God, if we want to glorify God, there's no better model to look at than the person of Jesus Christ. And so we have his revelation in Scripture of his life. Uh, as Hebrews 1 says, that in the, in the past, you know, God spoke through the apostles and prophets, but now he's spoken to us through his Son. We have the life of Christ in the Gospels, the interpretation of the life of Christ in the epistles. And, uh, and so we ought to be conforming ourselves to likeness to Christ. That's our model. And what's statement number three? Yeah, very good. He knows I won't be perfect, but he does expect me to be growing. Uh, and what a gracious God he is, uh, that he doesn't demand absolute perfection from the very moment you know, we're born or the very moment we're saved, but he's patient with us, he's kind. I'm going to talk about that in the message this morning briefly. Uh, God is so good, and he um, is actively working in our lives to produce growth and change. So that's the foundational principle, that our highest motivation is to glorify God. We glorify God by being like Christ, and as we do that, uh, we do that progressively, not perfectly. You know, the Christian life is not just this upward tra- trajectory where you're always, always getting better. Sometimes there are uh, plateaus. Sometimes there are dips, crevices that we fall into, patterns of sin that, that uh, come into our lives. Um, and then the Lord eventually redeems us from that. So the, the progress of the Christian life is not a straight line. It's, it's kind of an upward trajectory where there's a lot of ups and downs and plateaus. And again, praise God for His mercy, His grace, His kindness, His compassion uh, as we walk through that that process of change. Okay, and then the second week, what was the main idea of the second week? Anybody remember? Hint, a lot of it came out of uh, the book of Ephesians. uh, was one of the main passages that uh, we talked about or had you go through in homework. What what does Ephesians emphasize? Renewing our mind, say, say, taking off the old self, rocket ship. Right. <laughs> that's right, put off, renew the mind, put on, right, that's the process of change, and a huge part of renewing the mind is knowing who we are in Christ, right, becoming who we already are in God's eyes, because of what God has already accomplished in our lives, that redemption, that He's justified us, He's forgiven us, He's adopted us into His family, He's made us new, new creatures in Christ. All of what God has done for us has created this, this new being, this new identity that uh, we operate out of. And we, we can, uh, unfortunately, forget that and operate out of a false identity. Uh, but God calls us and He reminds us, again, by His Spirit in His Word, of who he is, oh, sorry, of who we are in Christ. And uh, because of who we are in Christ, chapter 4, verse 17 to 24, we are to put off that old man, that 
person of us who is no longer our true identity, but rather to be renewed in our minds and put on the new man that God has created us to be. So we're not really becoming the best version of ourselves, as some might say. Uh, We're becoming uh, who God has made us to be. All right, then last week, what was the main idea? Change happens in community. Right, We're not meant to live the Christian life on our own. When God saves us, He saves us into the body of Christ. And He calls us to live with one another and use our gifts to serve one another, where we both speak the truth and love to others, we bless and we minister with our hands to others, and then also we receive the ministry of others. We receive the words of admonition and encouragement and reminders and instructions so that we can grow as a result of the relationships that we have. And that happens in all kinds of ways, right? That happens when we gather in a class like this or when we're in the worship center and somebody's preaching or we're in a small group and there's a discussion or we're in a conversation with someone in the lobby or all throughout the week as parents are talking to kids and husbands and wives are talking to each other and, and friends are, are talking to each other uh, when you're hanging out. Just And all, this, all the aspects of life and all the dynamics of life, we ought to be uh, ministering to one another, speaking the truth to one another so that we can encourage each other in growth in Christ-likeness. So that ha- growth and change happens in community. There are times when uh, the severity of our struggle, the intensity of our struggle, the longevity of our struggle uh, requires that we get perhaps you could say more specialized help by someone who's particularly equipped and gifted, whether that's a uh, just an older, mature believer who has more years uh, in Christ than we do, and they've been through some of the same things we have, and so they can minister us more directly than perhaps someone uh, that you know hasn't had those experiences. Uh, it could be a pastor, a ministry leader, someone who's had particular training, of course, a, a biblical counselor, if you will. A biblical counselor is just a, a believer who's been particularly equipped to, to minister the Word of God. And so sometimes we do need that focused, intense help when we find ourselves unable to overcome the struggle that we're having. And praise God that because of His Word and His Spirit and His people, that is available to us in Christ. Um, So whether we need that focused, intense help and ministry, or whether we can, by God's grace, just grow in, in the community of faith among those whom God has put around us, that we ought to grow in community. Okay, so that brings us then to what we're going to look at today of the three trees model. So I'm going to put the video on, and at some point in the video when he starts talking about it, I'm going to draw it on the board. I know you have it in front of you, but just so that I can uh, point out point things out as we're talking afterward, I'm going to draw that on the board, so don't let me distract you by my incredible artistic ability. Um, <laughs> but uh, also in this video, he talks, uh, he relies pretty heavily on the, on the curriculum book. And so he'll mention, you know, this page, that page, look at this, look at that. Uh, he's just kind of having people flip through. So he's not, you know, you're not missing a ton, but just kind of ignore that, that part of it. And, and what I'm hoping is that with the video and us talking about afterward, that that repetition 
just helps to cement it further in your mind and we can work out any confusion or, or lack of understanding by the end of our time today. All right? So let me get this started. So we're going to camp on this. (laughs) So I want to go over that again, uh, this diagram, which again you have in front of you. And uh, we should have time, Lord willing, where if you have any uh, lack of understanding, confusion, questions, uh, I want to address those as much as we can. If you have a question, there's something you're not getting, it's probably true that someone else is in the same boat. So please don't be shy uh, when once we go through this. All right, so uh, Jeremiah 17, if you didn't have your Bible open there, um, very uh, helpful just in terms of presenting. It's uh, As he said, it's not the only metaphor that uh, Scripture uses, but it's one that's repeated. Uh, maybe you thought of um, Psalm 1, where... The psalmist says, you know, blessed is the man who uh, does not walk in the way of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his, light, in his law he meditates day and night, and he is like a tree, right? And then he, when, there, when, he, when he talks about the wicked, he says that they are like chaff, so he doesn't carry that metaphor forward uh, in that particular passage. But this is a, a familiar passage, and as... as um, Paul Tripp mentioned uh, th- this concept. Even if you you know haven't studied, what's the word? Are what's the science of trees? <laughs> arborist. If you're even if you're not an arborist, we'll just say that. <laughs> we all understand how these things work, right? We all had basic science in school. You know that the sun shines down. There's something something along the lines of photosynthesis happens and things grow. You know, we, we at, you know obviously I don't understand the details, <laughs> but we have a basic understanding. And so let's start, we're, let's want to walk through each element here. So the first thing is the heat. Uh, actually, let, let me back up one more one thing to say. As, as you look at this diagram, you can stare at the one in front of you, it looks better anyway. Um, <laughs> This is not, for the believer, this is not your whole life. This is not, you're either entirely a thorn bush, or you're entirely a fruitful tree. Right? That, that's not the case. That's only the case for unbelievers, who are entirely a thorn bush, because they, they can't please God. And it's also only the case for Jesus Christ, who is entirely a fruitful tree. Right? But for us who've been redeemed by Christ, who've been saved, regenerated, renewed, uh, we find ourselves in a, in a state where sometimes we bear thorns and sometimes we bear fruit. And of course, the Christian life is increasingly becoming one who bears more fruit than thorns. And by God's grace, when He uh, either takes us home to be with Him or when He comes back to take us to Himself, we will instantly become that you know, fruitful tree and there will be no more thorns in our life. Praise the Lord. So, just keep that in mind. This is, for, for our purposes, and as you think about the Christian life sanctification, this is situational. And so, that brings us to the heat. This is really important, because as he said there at the end, I don't know if you caught it, he says we tend to be situational people. 
that the reason I'm struggling the way I am is because of my circumstances. And again, as he said, if you were in my circumstances, you would feel the same way too. You would have the same struggles that I'm struggling. Right? And, and that, that's born, when, when we think that, uh, well, I'm sure we've all thought that at various points of life, uh, that's coming out of just a heart that's weighed down by the trials of life and the sorrow and the suffering of life. Uh, whether it's just uh, you know natural suffering in a sin cursed world, you know some disaster overtakes us, or whether it's somebody sinning against us, uh, that we just feel, man, if if people knew what I was going through, they they would understand why I'm responding the way that I'm responding. And what the scripture would say is, no, 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 your situation does not determine how you respond. Your situation in your case, may be producing fruit, or excuse me, producing thorns. Uh, another person in the same situation might produce fruit. And there would be situations in your life where you produce fruit by the grace of God, and another person in that very same situation would be producing thorns. Um, you know, uh, from my vantage point, knowing a lot of people and what's, what the Lord is doing in people's lives, I, I see similar types of situations and I see a lot of different kinds of responses and, and that's what we're all in we're all under the sun right we, we all uh, live in this fallen world we all have the, the flesh and we respond differently to similar kinds of circumstances so the heat is just your situation your circumstances and those can be trials uh, difficult situations that come upon you it can also be blessings you know, because just because something good happens to you, God in His kindness shows favor and, and you know, blesses you with, with something that is delightful, you can produce thorns in a situation like that. Right? You can become prideful. You, be, you can become materialistic. Like the man that Jesus uh, talked about, the parable, who had a, an abundance of harvest, and he said, oh, I'm going to build larger barns. You know? So it's not just trials that we're talking about. We're talking about your, as you're living life, there are times that we produce thorns, that is, things that are displeasing to God, uh, sinful character, sinful words, sinful thoughts and actions come out of us. And then there are other times where, by God's grace, we produce fruit. That is what's pleasing to God. You know, don't limit that to the fruit of the Spirit, though that would certainly be involved. But you know, other things that uh, that is pleasing to God, like... Uh, God-glorifying speech, uh, Ephesians 4.29. Uh, being a truth speaker, Ephesians 4.25. Being a, a giver, being generous. Uh, we're, he talks about that in Ephesians 4.27 or so. <laughs> um, and of course, the fruit of the Spirit and many other God-glorifying things. Um, so the, the, the heat is the, the circumstances that are coming upon you. It can be pressure. It can be trials. It can be blessings. And the question is, how, how are you going to respond, or how do you respond? And so this is where you know, I've asked you to identify an issue in your life that you struggle with, that you want to grow uh, and glorify God in that area of your life more and more. Just think about right now. Think about that issue in your life, and think about what are the circumstances that bring about that struggle in me. For you, it might be something that's life-dominating right now. It's just a pervasive reality that every day, throughout, throughout the day, that heat, that pressure, that situation is just 
on you, and that's why you're, there's there's something coming out of you that is thorny. That you're like, I don't like that. <laughs> I want to get rid of that. Uh, for others of you, you've chosen to grow in an area where it's not so pervasive in your life, but it, it comes and goes. Maybe it the thorns only come out when your kids disobey, <laughs> or when you have certain conversations with your spouse, or when something happens at work. You know, it's more of an episodic dynamic that that thorns come out, and you realize that, you know that, and you want to grow. So identify the heat. Oh, and by the way, the on, on the back of the form where it has the blanks, what I want you to do, what I would encourage you to do, uh, on your own time, though of course you can work on it now if you want as we're talking through it, uh, fill in the blank for your own self. I know it, it refers to, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, um, or 2 Corinthians, whatever it is, but... Uh, because it had the blanks, um, and I didn't see the page in the book that actually had all blanks and <laughs> not related to passage, I just want you to f- think about those elements as it relates to your own life. All right. So the circumstances, the heats, the blessings, the trials, what is it in your life that at, at least as of where you are right now, where the Lord has you, you're seeing thorns? Now, why do we produce the thorns of our life? Why do we produce uh, things that uh, are displeasing to God, things that are unpleasant even to ourselves, things that are destructive to our relationships? Why, why do we sin? You know, we can just put it that way. Well, the reason is because uh, as a tree, we're planted in soil that produces that kind of fruit. This is where the metaphor kind of gets away from science. <laughs> uh, the soil is the, the heart. Right, the heart of man. Um, and maybe we can just be more accurate to say what kind of tree you know, we are and whatever. But the heart of man uh, is our, our thinking, our, our desires, our values, priorities, our commitments, our will. You know, Scripture talks about the heart as the, the central part of who you are. It is what makes you, you, distinguishes you from every other... Other person, your heart is your soul, it is your spirit, it is, it is that part of you which will live on when your body dies and to which your resurrected body will be uh, restored. So your heart is, is your thinking, your beliefs, your convictions, your desires and values, and your, your will. And so when the circumstances come on you, when the, the heat comes on or the blessings come down, what you believe to be true, what you desire will respond to those circumstances and produce fruit. So, for example, let's say you, you get a windfall. Uh, I saw an article yesterday, you know, somebody won the lottery. You know, they went into a store to get a sandwich. They're like, oh, whatever, I'll spend 20 bucks, get a lotto ticket. Boom, $5 million, <laughs> you know, instantly in their account. You get a windfall, and what are your beliefs and desires? Uh, if you're materialistic, if you think that this world is all that there is, uh, if you think that happiness is defined by how much money you have, uh, you're going to not only be extraordinarily happy, but you're going to use that money in ways that reflect your desires. And what are you going to find out? Everything you believe to be true is wrong. Right? Well, whatever happiness you might experience in the short term, uh, money doesn't satisfy our souls. Uh, and so there's thorns that can come out, you know, and of course, uh, it's often the case that when someone uh, wins a large amount of money like that, 
uh, and their name goes out, all of a sudden they have cousins they've never heard of, <laughs> right? They have family conflicts and difficulties and relationship problems. And as you've probably heard, most people who win massive amounts of money, they end up in a far worse place before very long than they started. Why? Because of what's going on in their heart. Now you could say, you know, maybe they, the fact that they bought a lot of ticket to begin with reflects something, but let's set that aside for the second, for a moment. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's an example of a blessing, if you will, a, a good thing, you know, wow, immediate resources. But now because of what's in the heart, um, I'm, I'm wanting things that I could never afford before, thinking that's what's going to make me happy. I'm angry at family members for expecting me to give them what's mine. <laughs> you know, it's the desires, the values, the priorities of the heart that produce thorns. Or think about, you know, somebody in your workplace um, gets a promotion that you were really wanting. You've been working hard, you've been working, you know, so many years, and you're like, okay, I'm the next one up for this promotion. That, that person has moved on. There's an open slot there. I'm the one that's going to fill that slot. And then, surprisingly, someone else gets that slot. Now, there's a little bit of a, a trial there, right? You were expecting, you were hoping to, to have a position that is now no longer yours. Well, your values, your desires, your expectations, they're dashed. And so anger, bitterness, depression... Those things come out uh, of us uh, if, if that's what's in our heart, uh, if, if our desires, our values, our beliefs are askew. So we produce thorns in our life because of what's inside of us, our desires, values, beliefs, commitments. And you notice the, um, the redirecting arrow uh, I think he mentioned this, uh, we, we often complicate our own lives, right? And this is the principle of Galatians 6, where he says, you reap what you sow. And when you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. So the way that we respond to our original circumstance tends to complicate the situation and make it worse. So many times we find ourselves in a, a downward spiral, getting worse and worse and worse. And that's where we really get into a situation where we're just unable to, to see straight and you know, have any hope that our circumstances are going to get better. So the question, which you know, we'll cover in the coming weeks, is, all right, if there are thorns coming out of your life based on your circumstances... What is in your heart that's bringing that out? That'll be one of the key aspects of identifying what it will look like to grow and change. What are the, what are the beliefs that you have? What are the desires that you have? What are your commitments that are producing the thorns in you? You can certainly start thinking about that now, but we'll talk about that more in depth in future, future sessions. Well, on the, on the other side, it's the opposite reality. That when the heat comes, whether it's blessings or trials, as the sun shines down on us in certain situations, if our desires and beliefs and commitments are aligned with what is true from God's Word, then that means that our heart is uh, existing in a way that's consistent with God's view of reality, God's design, and by God's design, when that's the case, there's going to be fruit that's 
flowing or, or growing out of us. I'm not going to use the lottery example again. Let's use the work situation. Somebody else gets that position that you were really hoping for. Well, because you believe that God is sovereign and in control of all things and doesn't owe you anything, uh, you can say, well, Lord, you know that I desired that, but clearly that wasn't your will. Lord, I trust you. And Lord, I, I'm, I'm at peace. I can have peace in my own heart over this because uh, I, you didn't owe this to me. And clearly, if that wasn't your will for me, then your will for me is something else uh, which you intend for my good and your glory. So Lord, I trust you and I'm at peace. And I can even be happy for the person who got the job. I can congratulate them. I can say, hey man, good job. You know, you worked hard, you know, whatever. And you can have a good relationship with them and it can be a positive experience. How different is that from someone who goes down into depression and, and anger and bitterness and now they can't work with that person because every time they look at them, they're just reminded that I wanted that job. I mean, just two vastly different experiences of life, right? One is thorns, one is fruit. Or, or use the example of uh, disobedient kids. You know, of course, this is an area that's particularly challenging for all of us as parents because we're sinners. But when our kids are disobedient, if we're thinking rightly in the moment, well, have in mind, okay, God has made me a steward of my kids. He's given me the privilege and the opportunity to teach them and instruct them and discipline them. I know that they're sinners, so I can't expect that they're going to obey me every time, even though I'm trying to help them to do that. But I can't expect that. And so when they disobey, they're more disobeying God than they're disobeying me. They're more in danger of God's wrath than they are in danger of my discipline. And so I'm going to approach them with love and compassion and patience because even that disobedience is an opportunity for instruction, for uh, loving discipline for helping them to learn from this experience and grow. As opposed to someone who responds with anger and yelling and why can't you ever do what I say and I've told you that a thousand times and what's wrong with you and you know that, that kind of uh, anger and, and clamor in our responses. Why? What's the difference? It's The difference is what is in our heart. Our desires, our values, priorities, beliefs, commitments all right now the question is how do we go if, if it's true that we're producing thorns and be, that's because of what's in our heart how do we go from this to becoming a fruit-bearing tree and the answer is uh, the lord jesus christ now the cross here certainly starts with the reality of salvation again of who we are in christ and the fact that we're new creatures, we're forgiven, we're redeemed. You know, we don't need to earn our salvation. Christ has already accomplished uh, the, the full uh, satisfaction of God's wrath. And, and so we are now pleasing to God because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Those are realities that should be in our mind, right? Those aren't just truths you think about the moment you're saved and, and then forget them. No, you, you keep those truths in your mind. And also... Because of the work of Christ and the fact that Christ ascended into heaven, we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. He's given us the helper to teach us, to instruct us, to convict us, to illumine our minds to the truth so that now when we look at Scripture, instead of not understanding what it says, we now have the ability to understand what it says. 
And so because of the cross of Christ, we now are indwelled by God himself and can change you know, with our, we, the new heart that we've been given. We can say no to our former beliefs. We can reject our former desires. And we can, by the power of the Spirit, embrace what God would have us to embrace according to his word. It's solely because of Christ and what he's done. It's not about ourselves, our intelligence, our willpower. It's because of what Christ has done. Uh, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but is the power of God for those who are being saved. Power not just to be saved, but power to grow in sanctification. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, I think it's the last verse, he said, or the second to last verse, he says, but Christ has become our righteousness and our sanctification. Meaning that because of Christ and all that he's done, uh, that's what grounds not only our standing before God, but our growth in sanctification. And because he's the one who's at the center of it all, he gets all the glory. Right? So uh, the truth of the word of God as to the work of Christ is what empowers us to overcome the, the thorns in our life and produce fruit. And again, you notice that reaping what you sow. As Paul says in Galatians 6, when you sow to the Spirit, you reap eternal life. And so as we respond in a way that's pleasing to God, that improves, t- tends to improve our circumstances. All right, we all understand this. You've had those moments where you know, something came out of you that you're like, whoa, that was not me. <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit speaking or working through me. You know, whoa, I, I had far more patience in that situation than I typically do. And what shocks you about that is not only what, what comes out of you by God's grace, but also how that changes the dynamic of the situation. Now, how that changes a conversation, the outcome of, of a conversation, or, or how that just changes your whole perspective on a situation, or how that produces you know, the peace of God in your own soul. As we sow to the Spirit, as we live out the character of Christ by the power of the Spirit, that has a tendency to improve uh, our perspective or situation. But not, it, it doesn't always improve the, the externals of the situation. Sometimes, as we are producing fruit, nothing else around us is changing. Right? Nobody else around us is changing. Maybe our spouse isn't changing, or our kids aren't changing, or our work coworkers aren't changing. Uh, the, the disaster around us of... Uh, you know, weather-related damage or financial peril or those things may not change. And often they don't change. But by becoming one who bears fruit, we're glorifying God and we're putting on display uh, who our God is to those around us. And that further glorifies God and gives reason for others to glorify God. You know, as Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, you know, um, put your good works before men so that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. All right, just have a few minutes left. Is there anything that would be helpful to explain further from this diagram from what you have for any run? But actually, uh, one diagram that I often use in counseling uh, to reflect the habit aspect is, we call it the Y diagram because, believe it or not, it looks like a Y. Uh, and, but the idea of that is that as you continue to go one direction or another, either to please God or to please self, you're creating habits uh, of responding. 
And so that's why it's so important that we take step by step by step uh, to, to please God uh, rather than uh, go down the path continually of pleasing ourselves lest we uh, continue bad habits. Yeah, Lawrence. Wow. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. That's probably more a problem with my drawing. I didn't think about that when I was drawing it, but there are some drawings of the three trees diagram that connect the living water to the cross. Very good observation. Excellent. And by the way, we didn't go into the passage, but you notice how in the passage that what makes the difference between the cursed man and the blessed man is that the cursed man trusts in mankind, makes, this is verse 5, makes flesh his strength, and his heart turns away from the Lord. Right? That's the heart of the thorn bush. Versus the blessed man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord. Again, that's the heart. Um, Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6. Well, let me ask this. Let me kind of end in the class session.